Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for March 8th, 2020. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called, In Order to Believe, We Have the Antidote. In today's message, we see how trust, reliance, obedience, and total surrender, the definition of believe to Jesus Christ, is the only antidote to our disease of condemnation, God's wrath, and our ultimate demise in a Christless hell. Now, I'll be reading from the book of John, verses 16 through 21. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. Jesus wraps up this conversation with Nicodemus in this way. And there's some words there that I want to focus on, I want to look at, and some words that people in society today and unfortunately in Christianity try to overlook. For God, 17, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. People love that verse. See, Jesus didn't come to condemn. All you people talking about sin and bad stuff and don't do this, don't do that. All you people still living so legalistically. All you people still caught up in the law and, and, and rules and regulation. Jesus did not come to condemn. It says so right here in the Bible. It's true. It says that. For God did not sin his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The question is, what does that mean? What's the context of that? Well, you also have to answer, keep your finger there, turn with me to John chapter 9, a couple of chapters over, verse 39, John 9, 39, condemn. The word condemn there means to separate, to put asunder, to pick out, uh, to select one over the other. Uh, to show an opinion of right versus wrong, to decree, or I think in context is to judge. To judge means to pronounce your opinion on something, whether it's right or wrong. Someone uh, goes to the courthouse. I may or may not have visited a courthouse a time or two, especially in my younger days, uh, when the speed limit may or may not have been challenged by me in my younger days. And because of that, Friends of ours would stop the car and hand me pieces of paper with my name on it and other numbers, mostly being addresses to municipal areas in town where there would be uh, other people that I'd be talking to, uh, sitting behind big desks with robes on and whatnot. And in that scenario of a, of a, a courtroom, let's call it courtroom, there's a judge, <laughs> and the judge is pronouncing his opinion based on something, some standard. And so the judge has an opportunity to say, I hear the, what's brought against you today, and my opinion based on, and you heard about it, the opinion of the court, or you heard when court, uh, the court justices they write their opinion, you heard about those things? They're giving the opinion on you, on your actions, concerning their rightness or their wrongness, and after that comes the penalty for the rightness or the wrongness. And so when Jesus said, I did not come to judge, John chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment. <laughs> so he's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You already said, Jesus, in verse chapter 3, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but then Six chapters later, you say, I came into this world to judge. So what's the context there? What do, what do we mean by that? Is it true that Jesus 
and all happy, all nice, all soft and cuddly. There's no judgment there. There's no right or wrong there. There's, there's none of that. What, what is actually going on? Well, I think that context is cleared up as you keep reading John chapter 3. So let's look back over there. John chapter 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone, here's the context. And I think here's where the clarity comes. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is, like the King James says, condemned already. Or the CSB says, already condemned. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. The problem is, and the reason why Jesus didn't have to come to condemn the world, the reason why Jesus didn't have to come to judge the world is because the world was already judged. The world was already condemned. That's the context. That's what John is trying to say. That's what Jesus says. Jesus said, look, I didn't come here to be a judge because we already had the judge and we've already had the judgment and the gavel has already dropped and the punishment and the penalty has already been laid out. So when I show up, I'm not here to judge because it's already happened. See, what people do, they take that out of context. They look at that and say, oh, look, Jesus didn't come to judge. So we shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't condemn people. We shouldn't tell them about sin and, and, and worry about telling them about hell and telling them that they're guilty before an almighty God and telling them that they need to give their life right and telling them they need to change what they're doing. Because, look, Jesus did not come to condemn. And we move on. And our churches are filled with fun times and happy times and love times. And the message of condemnation isn't delivered. Why? Because we're not looking what the scripture says. Jesus says, I didn't have to come. Well, I didn't come to condemn because that already happened. We're already condemned. You already judge. Why? Because he has not believed on the name of the one and only son of God. So that condemnation, that condemnation that we already have has already been delivered. The condemnation has already been sent on. Why? Because he has not believed already, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. What contradicts or what goes against the condemnation is belief. And that's important. We have to understand that. The only thing that stands against the condemnation, the only thing that stands against the judgment that Olu has received, that you have received, that the world has received, is belief. We look at the situation with the virus that's going on right now, the coronavirus, and everyone's, not everyone's, but some people are just panicking, just going, just all out crazy insane panic. This is it. I heard somebody said this could be the rapture happening. God could use coronavirus for the rapture and he could take people out one by one. And, and I mean, I'm, I've, he I've heard so many things. My job, uh, they sent out a note saying, hey, no more international flights. Shut it down to, to, to not just to China, but they gave us a list of countries that international, if you go into these countries or anything that comes from this country, you cannot go. And then they said, Domestic flights are only on an as-necessary basis. I said, wait a minute. I had a trip to Indiana Tuesday. 
Monday, tomorrow. I'm supposed to fly tomorrow. But I got to know this Friday that it's shut down. Why is that? The coronavirus. I said, wait a minute, Indiana? <laughs> we, this thing is getting closer and closer. But the thing about that is that, you know, we talk about the coronavirus, about this happened, and one of the things where people are panicking is because well, we don't have a vaccine. There's no vaccine yet. You know, and the other day I was confusing vaccine with antidote. I was like, vaccine? I said, that's not a vaccine. Antidote is, if you get it, they give it to you. Think about superheroes. Who got the antidote? Get the antidote. And you get it in, and then you're good because you got the antidote. The idea is they don't have a vaccine nor an antidote for this thing. And so it, it causes panic. There's people, and I, and I do understand, to, to be all in all seriousness, people with compromised immune systems, panic. Yes. Because just like the flu, uh, just like any other disease uh, that, that, uh, that deals with your respiratory area, if you don't have that immune system built up, there's a situation. Most of the people who are really dying and really having a hard time is those people in that case. But when you look at antidote, when you look at vaccine, when you look at something to counteract, when you look at something to fight this virus that's going around, John tells us in three, Jesus said, remember, this is still Jesus talking to Nicodemus here. So this is still Jesus talking. If you have a Bible that has Jesus' words in red, all this will be in red. What he said was that the condemnation is in the world, and the reason why is because of unbelief. And so the only thing, the only antidote, see, I brought that back in. The only vaccine to the condemnation is belief. That's it. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Because unbelievers are currently condemned already. This is why this is another one of the reasons why it doesn't matter what you do. I talk to people and they say, listen, man, I'm good. You know, I, I, I pay tithes to the church, you know, and, I, and I'm a good guy. I don't I don't really curse. Uh, you won't catch me drunk. Um, um, I don't beat my wife. Uh, I'm faithful. I come home after work every day, you know, and I try to make sure I, I, I pay to the charities and I give to the charities and I give to the community. I'm a good guy. The problem with that is all those things are good. But the problem is that is before you start being a philanthropist, before you started being nice to people, before you started helping charities and volunteering at the nursing home and the soup kitchen and the Boys and Girls Club. And before you started doing all those good things, those morally good things, you have to understand that before that, you were condemned already. See, the condemnation is not based on what you do because before you even did anything, you were already condemned. That's what the world needs to understand. That's what we need to understand. David said in Psalms that in my mother's womb, I was fashioned in iniquity. And so my condemnation has nothing to do with my acts right now. My actions has nothing to do with my thoughts right now. That just continues me in my condemnation. That just continues me wallowing in my iniquity, in my wickedness. The Bible says that the problem is that we were condemned already. And so when we talk to people, 
when we're witnessing, when we're letting people know, hey man, I'm good, or I got this already taken care of, or look at my stature, look at my standards, I've been doing good for a long time, look at my this, look at my that, this, this, and this, that, and your actions mean absolutely nothing because the condemnation came before you had a chance to do anything. That's why Paul says in Ephesians that we're saved by grace, not by works, because again, your works mean nothing. You do all the good stuff you want to, and it's consistent in the Bible. The Bible says that your righteousness, those people who are unsaved, those people who have not believed, the Bible says that their righteousness or their rightness is like filthy rags. That's bloody, filthy, stinky rags. Why? Because you were condemned already. That's what the world needs to understand. That's the message of the gospel is that, listen, you were condemned already unless you believe. Anyone who believes on him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Verse 19, this is the judgment. What is it? What's that condemnation? Jesus said in John 9, oh, I came to judge, by the way. What is this judgment? What is the condemnation? Light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's the judgment. That's the condemnation. And so the Bible says that the world is already condemned. And because of this condemnation, the Bible says that the wrath of God is over the wicked. So that condemnation brings the wrath of God. The wrath of God comes because God is the opposite of what we are. God is holy. And in his holiness, he has a certain standard. God is also just. Well, that just means that he brings equity. That means he gives you what you deserve. And so because I am condemned, because I have not believed, because I was born and shaped in iniquity, because I was condemned already, I am the opposite of what God is holy. And because of that, the responsibility that he has because of his justness is to give me what my condemnation brings with it. And that condemnation brings with it the wrath of God and the judgment. And so the world is under the condemnation, is under the judgment, is under the wrath of God. To be clear, Jesus said, and the judgment is this, the light is coming to the world and people of darkness rather than light. Why is that important? Jump back to 16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Another word that comes along with this that we don't like to talk about, that you don't hear about in church circles, that you don't hear about a lot of times when people tell you how to witness is perish. So because of that, because of the condemnation that we already had, that brought the wrath of God, that means that the world and all the inhabitants are to perish. That word perish means to destroy. In the original language, I'm read some definitions here, to put out the way entirely, to abolish, to put an end to, to render useless, to declare that one must be put to death, to devote or give over to eternal misery in hell. This word perish in the, in the Greek, and you look through the context of scripture, is used to reference hell. It's used to reference that final separation place from God. That's another word you don't hear a lot in churches. 
I dare you. Look up your, now your timeline may be different than my timeline on Facebook, but if you look on your timeline, on your Instagram, or your Facebook, or your Snappy Chappy, or whatever things you got, when you look at those timelines and you see those little inspirational messages and, and, and those video clips, count, just do it tomorrow. Count how many times they mention hell, or perish, or condemnation, or wrath of God. Just count. Turn on your God TV, your TBN, whatever stations you like to frequent, and listen. And see how many times they mention hell, perish, condemnation, wrath. I'm not saying that because we do it here, we're a better church. What I'm saying is that we have to be careful, those of us who are followers of Christ, as we enter to Babylon and as we're saying we are being light for Christ as we're saying we are showing people who Jesus is, as we're saying we're witnessing, we're evangelizing, we're bringing people to Christ, we have to be careful because in John chapter 3, Jesus used terms and definitions and references and metaphor in the context of this is how you bring someone to Christ. Wrath, condemnation, perish, hell, believe. Yet when I turn on TV and I look at these clips and listen to popular church today, I don't hear these words in context of bringing people to Jesus. I hear things like, come to Jesus because of X, Y, Z. Come to Jesus because of A, B, C. Come to Jesus because you need X, Y, T, 4, 5, 6. This is that. Rarely do I hear, oh, you need to come to Jesus because you condemn. And by the way, you can stop trying to be good and doing all your good stuff because the Bible says Jesus said you were condemned already. And because of that condemnation, God's holy wrath is upon you. And because of that, you're going to perish. So you need to believe because that's the antidote. Very rarely do I hear that. We need to understand that. And so what happens is people come to Jesus, not how Jesus said, this is how you come to me. And so they're coming to Jesus. It's not how Jesus said come to him. And so they're coming to Jesus. It's not the proper way. And so what we end up is false converts. What we end up is people who think they save who ain't really saved. What we end up with people who think they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're not. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew, they're going to show up and say, God, Jesus, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I go to church? Went on on the usher board? Didn't I do this? Didn't I read my Bible? I know I said the sinner's prayer, ABC, uh, I believe you're a sinner, confess. I repeated after him. I came to the front. I fell on my knees. I cried. I spoke in tongues. I did this. I did that. Why are you not going to let me into heaven? Jesus said, because I didn't know you because you were condemned and you still are condemned. And my wrath is still on you and you are going to perish because you didn't believe and nobody told him. We have to be careful first to look at myself to make sure that I came to Christ the right way, that I understand this context. And I'm thankful for John 3.16. This brings John 3.16 so much, gives so much color to it, so much more excitement. For God so loved the world, even in our condemnation, even in our wrath, even on, while I'm on my way to perish, God said, but I love them. I love them. The Bible said it's the love of God that brings people to Jesus. And people try to take that out of context. 
See, it's the love of God. So stop talking about sin and bad stuff. Just talk about the love. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. That's not what the context says. The context says the love of God is shown because once you understand that you condemn because of the wrath and you're perishing. That makes the love even more. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, 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 everyone who was already perishing. Everyone who was already condemned, everyone whom the wrath of God was on, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the beauty of John 3.16. That's the beauty of the context of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. My current works mean nothing for the unsaved person. The ruling has already been determined. It's like somebody in jail, uh, they, they committed a crime, they murdered. I say somebody in jail, they murdered somebody, uh, they murdered a lot of people. Serial, serial killer, okay? And, and, and they went to the judge and the judge found it. We found these bodies in your basement. Uh, we found this, this, and that. We found these pictures of people you're going to get next. Listen, boom, the gavel is dropped. You are condemned. I think about the... One of the most craziest things that happened in my lifetime was the D.C. killings. The, the, the killings was going on in D.C. Guy was in a car driving around with a kid in the back seat. They cut a hole in the trunk and they were just shooting people, sniping people, driving down the street. Melissa at the time was living in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I was in Virginia. And then you heard on the news, pow, pow. Somebody got shot. Pow, pow. Somebody at a gas station. Pow, pow. Somebody walking to Walmart. Pow, pow. Kids walking around school. Pow, pow. I was like, okay, so... So this is it, because how are you going to find this dude? It's a car. They first they said it was a white truck. Then they said it was a yellow this. Then they, they, they couldn't find the car. They couldn't find anything. Finally got the guy, did it. He confessed he did it, blah, blah, blah. The judge came down. Boom. He condemned. He got like four or five life sentences. And I think they killed him. Did they kill that dude? Yeah, he got, he got the death penalty. He died. The kid who was in the car with him got four life sentences in D.C., like two life sentences in Maryland and, and a bunch of other stuff. So he ain't going nowhere. But it's like the guy who, who, the guy who, who orchestrated the whole thing, he's already condemned, he got his verdict, he's in the courtroom, he's about to go to the lecture chair, they sit him in the lecture chair, he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you flip that switch and I get the punishment for what I deserve, you got to understand, I opened the door for that dude and I let him walk in first before me. Huh? Huh? I'm a good guy. I just did something good. That's how ridiculous that is. When we look at our works, you already condemned, man. You, you in the chair because we about to flip the switch. It's done. Jesus said you already condemned. The only way to get out that seat, the only way to lift that crazy head off your head is for you to believe. And thankfully, the love of God allows this. Verse 19, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people of darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. God, Jesus went on to just clarify that. The reason why this is a judgment, light, I have come into the world. We know who the light is. We saw that in John chapter one. In him was light and the light was the light of man. His light shone as darkness and darkness comprehended it not. Jesus said the condemnation is this. This world that's perishing because of the condemnation under the wrath of God, I came. I showed up. And the judgment is, verse 19, 
The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus said, you're perishing because you're condemned and the wrath of God. I'm going to come to free you. Come to me. Come to the light. But Jesus said the judgment is they choose not to. Why? Because their deeds were evil. They would rather continue to wallow in their evilness than to come to the light. For everyone, verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth, King James says, anyone who obeys the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. I love words. I love words. I love definition of words. That's why a lot of times when I preach, I always first thing I do is go to definitions and see what this means and look at the original language and see how this language was used and see what context and blah, 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 blah. That, that makes the text jump out at me. And I love that. I love that. I also love when you look at words and a lot of times when you read in the Bible, which is an ancient manuscript, it's an East Orient book. It's different than the context and the culture that I'm in. And so it's really good to look at things and how they're explained. And when you read the Bible, some of the purposeful things they do is instead of repeating the same word, they use another word to show what they meant by that word. Or they use a word of opposite to show what they meant by that word. And so let's look at 19. This is the judgment that light is coming to the world and people love darkness rather than light because the deeds was evil. Verse 20. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it. So it's talking about two different people here. The first one is everyone who does evil. So we got a group of people who do evil. Okay. Everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it. If you are the person who does evil, your action is you hate the light and you Avoid the light. Here's the action. Here's the person. Hate Jesus. Avoid Jesus. Because you do evil. Then we have the contrast to that. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. Here's the action. Why, though? Oh, because they don't want to be exposed. Doesn't want to be confronted. The person that does evil is going to avoid Jesus. They're going to hate Jesus. They're going to stay away from Jesus. They're going to be away from anybody who's talking about Jesus, who's living like Jesus, who's looking like Jesus, who has anything about Jesus. Oh, I, I, love, I love this too, the light. Because when I hear the light in reference to Jesus, it's the light on, it's the shine, it's the illumination. I'm thinking, that makes me think of the real Jesus, the true Jesus, not this Jesus that we've created, this blonde hair, white, blue eyes, flaky-looking soft guy in these pictures. But the light, Jesus, the light, the truth, the shine is on. This is Jesus. You avoid Jesus. You don't want nothing to do with this true Jesus. Why? Because your deeds are evil and because when you're around Jesus, you expose light. What does light do? Expose. I've been somewhere where there's been bugs. When I was little, I used to go look for bugs and stuff, and you lift up this big rock, and the bugs were chilling in the dark. But once you lift up the stone, the light shines, what do they do? Pew! They dip. They out. They don't like the light. They don't want to be exposed. They want to just chill in the dark. Jesus said those who do evil, they avoid the light. They avoid Jesus. They hate Jesus because they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be confronted. 
The opposite of that, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth, the opposite person to this says anyone who lives by the truth. King James says obeys. Anybody who lives by the truth or anyone who obeys the truth comes to the light. They don't avoid Jesus. They come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. Just now. Come to Jesus. Y'all want to worship. Come to Jesus just now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you just now. Just now. He will save you. He will save you just now. That song is going forever and ever. It's a whole lot of verses. Only trust him. Sing, Jazz. Only trust him. Only trust him right now. Woo! Mm. That's taking me back. Those who obey the truth. By the way, John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So again, it's all about him. Those who live by what Jesus says, those who obey Jesus, come to Jesus. They run to Jesus. Why? The scripture says anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown and be accomplished by God. Oh, it's the same why. The why is the same. See, those who love Jesus, those who obey Jesus, Run to Jesus because we know Jesus exposes who we are and we want to be exposed. You see, when you're living by the truth and you made a decision in your mind that I want to do right. You made a decision in your mind that you want to live right. Once you make that decision, you're ready to, OK, expose, light on. Find those things. David says, search me. Know my heart, know my thoughts, and look for any bad thing in me and show me so I can fix it. When I go to the doctor and there's something wrong and they say, okay, sir, you're going to have to take off your clothes and put on this thing. And if anybody else tell me to take off my clothes, I'm like, what? No, take my clothes off. I don't know you, stranger. But the doctor's like, what? Okay, here we go. Take this off and put on this. I don't know what this is. I can't tie all these things, but it's on. Why? Because I'm... Let's find out what's going on. We're going to have to put you on this thing. I'm going to put you in this box, right? And we're going to shine these radiation rays on you. And they're going to go inside you. What? I don't get shot with x-rays, but it's something wrong. So let me take these clothes off and let me sit in this thing and push me under this thing and cut on you all your x-rays you want to. Why? Because I want to be exposed because I want to live in a healthy way. I want to operate a certain way. And so I'm going to go to this doctor and expose myself and sit under that big light and sit under those x-rays and sit under those gamma rays. Maybe I'll turn a hook. Maybe not. Who knows? But I will expose myself to that because I want to live in the truth. I want to live healthy. And so I'm going to do that. Jesus said, if you, those people who want to obey me, who live by me, will run to me. They will be attracted to me. They want to stay around me because I expose them and I can show them how to be more like me. If the unsaved people are attracted to you, you need to figure out which side of this fence you're on. If unsaved people who are not living godly, not even that, forget the living godly, because we already showed that that means nothing. 
if unsaved people are attracted to you, you need to do a check and say, am I showing this? Am I showing Jesus? Because if I'm showing Jesus, the word says that they will avoid me. That's what the Bible said. Jesus used to sit with sinners and Jesus used to always be, yeah, 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 but Jesus always made them uncomfortable. There was never a time when, oh, Jesus, a heathen friends, it's Jesus, let's go hang out. No, 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 no. Jesus went to those places and he caused issues. Jesus stepped into place and it was problems. Nicodemus came to Jesus unsaved. Jesus stepped in and caused issues. I don't want to hear all that. Thank you, Rabbi, and we know you. No, 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 no. Cut all that. You're on your way to hell. Let me tell you why. Chapter four, the woman of the well. Jesus came, got some water. Oh, yeah, how you going to drink water? Blah, blah, blah. Or if you knew who was asking you, you'd tell me this. Bam, problems. And we're going to see in chapter four how she immediately started running off problems that she had with him. Why? Because Jesus caused issues to the unsaved. Why? Because they hated him. They avoided him because their deeds were evil. And what he did was expose that. The woman said in John chapter four, she ran back to her friends at the end of a conversation with Jesus and said, look, I found a man who then told me everything I've ever done. I found a man who has exposed me for who I really am. Come here about it. That's what Jesus does. When I see these churches and I see these areas where the, the, the church is filled with unsaved people and unsaved people are ushers and unsaved people are on the welcome and the visitors team, I look at that church and say, how can they be so comfortable there? How can they be? Because the scripture says that you're going to avoid me if it's the true me that you're showing. The purpose of the gospel, the purpose of evangelism is to confront people, to expose them and to expose their sin. So if your gospel message isn't exposing sin, then you're not preaching the gospel of the Bible. If the friends around you aren't like, ah, oh, I don't want to go hang with her because she's going to start talking this Jesus stuff and that is uncomfortable. And boy, that's our responsibility. Purpose of the gospel. Our job is to shine the light and shine it bright. When we do this, we share the true love of God. For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So let's live. Those of us who are saved, those of us who have believed already, those of us who made a decision to live by Jesus, to obey Jesus, those of us who run to Jesus constantly so that Jesus may expose who we are and so we can fix it, so we can get under the x-ray of Jesus, so we can get under the, 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 the bright shining light of Jesus, so we can continue to fix us, so we continue to live and obey by him. Those of us who are living that way continue, first of all, and then be that light. Hide it under a bushel? No, shine. Be Jesus, the true Jesus, the light Jesus amongst everyone around. My thoughts are Jesus. My actions are Jesus. My words are Jesus. And so I am in right standing, and then I can step out, as John said, so that others may believe. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your love, your love, your love. You didn't leave us perishing, God. You didn't leave us condemned, God. You didn't leave us under your wrath, God. But because you have your love, your pure, holy love, you yourself came. 
And you made salvation a belief so that I won't have to get on my knees and crawl to Mecca or Medina. I don't have to fill, fill out or follow these 500 laws every time perfectly. But I simply will believe, God, take the responsibility of my life off of me and put it all in your hands. Lay down my weapons of revolt and my weapons of conflict and my weapons of war against you. And say, God, I surrender to you. We thank you for your love, God, which did that, God. And I pray that everyone here in the sound of my voice, God, that we will be true witnesses for you, that we will be light bulbs, God, or mirrors, God, just to reflect your light to those that we come in contact with. We love you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, man. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.